been a good tournament so far. I'm happy to be here with everyone. Yeah, I'm fine, man. Always glad to be here talking football with you guys again. You know, talking football it's it's basically our lives and yeah, the Euros is a is a good way to to wait for the next season to come again. So yeah, nice. It's been great so far. Well what more can I say? It's it's me here with the gang talking about the game of La Passion. What, what, what could be more interesting, if you ask me? Nothing. Of course nothing. And match day one lived up to the expectation. Uh, yeah, we'll delve into it later. Reward, how you doing? I'm all right. Um, football is back like it never left. Um, and I can't wait to discuss with you guys. So let's kick it. Ohis, over to you. All right. The opening game saw Italy dispatch Turkey on a night that they were not thankful for anything. Bamiji, what did you think about Italy's performance on opening nights of this showpiece? Well, honestly, I was really disappointed in the first half, although, I mean, it was a good opening ceremony. But honestly, the, the first half was, was a ball. Like, I was, I was at work, I just finished work, and I was hoping, hoping to get get a, a break from from them not say doing something boring trouble yeah i was hoping to get to be excited but it it's come it's normal when it comes to international games like this you expect teams to be very very um um what's the word careful and not wanting to just go all out and and lose lose all in the very first game but yeah it, it's it, it was a good game for italy when they came out in the second half I think Senogun's disappointed. That's Turkish coach. He disappointed it a lot, considering he's an experienced manager. For those that don't know, he's the same person that took Turkey to the 2002 World Cup where they finished third. And although he did have some very exciting players like Ansuko and the likes at that time, he also had a, a striker who just came off from a very good season with Leo. And he's been in decent form for, for the Turkish national side even before the the Euro started. So the way he set up where he, he didn't exploit the the aging um, Italian defense was was very disappointing. And he, he tried to win a midfield battle that was lost before the game even started. The midfield trio of Barella, Jorginho and um, Locatelli were very impressive in in that game as they shut down anything the Turkish side tried to, to, to push to them. But yeah, when they came out in the second half. It was a really good performance from, from Italy and Mancini side as they continued their very, very impressive record. I think that, that made it 28 games unbeaten and nine, goal, nine games straight on without conceding a goal. That's that's quite impressive and that's the kind of form you want going into a tournament like this. So yeah, you, you, these are, it's kind of the games that make you move from dark horses to oh, really, okay, this team is actually good and they could actually go to go on to win or go on to cause a stay in in this competition. Great goal for for um from Immobile. That's 92 goals in 118 appearances now since 2016 that he moved to Lazio. I mean he's had um tough times at um, Sevilla Dortmund, other moves that he made, but he found he found home in Lazio now and he's also doing well for for the Italian side. Good good um, work from the 
the right the full back from Italy, Spinazzola was great on the day. Um Isigny also got in on the goal. So yeah, it should have been a very decent outing for, for Roberto Mancini. But yeah, the, the, the one good thing about the Euros, like I just said, not all of us get to actually watch most of these players that we now see for I'm not sure so many people watch Razumat for for Lille in the French League One, but yeah, the Euros gives us an opportunity to watch players that we don't watch week in, week out during the normal season. But from match day one, moving away from the Turkey Italy match, which was the first um, game, we we saw the hype about Kefa more and um, Bill Embolo also in the first game on Saturday. Hey, Buka, let me let me come to you now. Who do you think will get um, automatic qualification alongside um, current group leaders? Because I mean, once you get that very first three point is really, really key and really, really important. So which other side do you think in that group will get the automatic qualification with Italy? Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of your favorite pod, The Empty Stands Podcast. I'm here today with Reward, Bamiji, Ebuka, and Chooks, the full house, to review match day one of the 2020 European Champion Championship also known as the Euros. Guys, how are you doing? We had the incident with, uh, the incident with um, Chris Texan. I, I don't know where you guys were when, when that happened. I don't know how you felt when that happened. Um, you know, I thought, you know, at first, I thought maybe there was a tackle or there was something. And then looking at the replays, I saw that he just, just fell. And we were all worried, we were all scared. You know, on the group chats, we're talking about it. So his was, because I think O'Hiz has been the number one Euros person. So he was, you know, talking about the whole incident and all that. And it was very emotional for not just us, the players on the players on the field. We thought the game was going to get cancelled, but they suspended it for a bit and then they came back to finish. Um, so I'll just go to reward. Reward. First off, where were you when you heard about Ericsson's, uh, Ericsson's uh, issue and how did you feel? What was your reaction? And do you think it was the right decision to play that game later on? Um, it was a very um, traumatic experience for me because I prayed, I cried, and I believe millions around the world did as well because I... Somehow I was expecting the worst and I just couldn't, I'm not sure I would have remained the same if he, he had died or something really bad happened to him. So it was just really traumatic, but I know it's for the wrong reasons, but somehow um, football brought everybody around the world together again, like it always does. Um, and I'm so grateful that we can celebrate because um, Ericsson is our life. Um, I would just like to give special shout outs to the captain of the side, um, Kaya, who administered CPR um, just before the medics arrived. And also the ref, I know people don't value that, but he caught the incident within seconds and he was able to signal the medics to arrive quickly. So um, I'm just grateful everything turned out um, Really good. He's Ericsson has posted that he's fine, he's doing well, his family, they're all great. It remains to be seen whether he'll be allowed to play football ever again, but where there's life, there's hope, really. Um, so about UEFA, there are rumors that UEFA 
gave them three options to to restart the match, right? And I don't think any of those options favored um, the Danish team. In my opinion, I felt or I feel I feel the match could have been rescheduled to the next day at least. Um, and, and people are different, and I don't know how I would watch such a thing in plain sight and be able to list my boots and go back to the field of playing some hours or hours later. It's just too traumatic or emotional for me to function properly. So at least um, if you ever had postponed for a day, I'm not sure anything bad or that would ruin the reputation of the competition would have happened. But alas, they were made to play same day. Um, although it was reported that the players agreed to to get back on the field of playback, I don't think it was a they they had the free will to go back. I think there was a bit of coercion from UEFA, and I really fault them for that. I just feel they could have done um, a little better in that aspect. But away from that, the good news is Ericsson is fine, and we are grateful that God spared his life and. We can enjoy the tournament because it, it would have been a big blip on the tournament. And I'm not sure we'll be able to enjoy it the way we will eventually if anything evil had happened to him. So in the other game in Group B, um, we saw the World Cup semi-finalists play the host of the tournaments in the form of Russia. Chooks, I'll be coming over to you. How impressive was Lukaku in that game, especially with the absence of three major first-team players from the Belgian team? Um, De Bruyne was out, Eden Hazard and Witzel. There was also an early injury to um, Timothy Castagna. How impressive was Lukaku for you, Chooks? Yeah, so for me, uh, uh, I, think, I think Lukaku is... <sighs> he was impressive. Let me stop with that. He actually was. It was a game. Was a game where you could see a player oozing with confidence. So, coming off the back of winning, winning the Serie A with with Inter Milan and Antonio Conte. Well, Conte left, and you could see in his speech, in his farewell speech to Conte, that he actually valued the impact that the manager had in him. And for me, I think just being Having played with a manager who believes in you and and wants to see the best from you is something that instills confidence in the player. And you could see him oozing of confidence on that day. Now, I'm not surprised that he got two goals on the night. It wasn't his first goal was taken. You could see that striker's instinct. It, he was offside when the ball was played in ball. The defender failed to clear and, and the ball fell to him and he just took it swiftly. So he was in the right place at the right time and did the right thing to, to get that first goal. And throughout the game, you could see him drop deep a little, get the ball, hold off players, spread spread play and move. So I feel he was impressive. I could just sense the, the confidence oozing out of him on that day. Um, on, the, on the Ericsson issue, I actually think he would return to playing football. I really hope so. I remember when they didn't had, had a similar incident, I think in training or something. But after, I, th I think after a few weeks, he was he was cleared and given to go ahead to get back to the pitch. He said in, in his time that he considered 
is considered playing, and I'm sorry, not playing football anymore. And I really hope Ericsson, a beautiful player of the game, gets back and, and is cleared to, to go ahead and continue doing his trade. Well, at this point, we'll call for a short break and we will be right back. So the thing is, looking at that group, it's very even. Um, Wales and Switzerland, they drew, so they, they each have a point. And then uh, Turkey lost heavily to Italy. But Turkey is still in a very good position because they have quality players. You mentioned um, Burak Yomas, the 35-year-old that did wonders at Lille. Um, Yomas is someone that you know that based on current form, you can depend on him for goals. Um, there's Hakan Shanoglu. There are a few other players in that Turkish side, even uh, Demiral that got the ball rolling with Anungu. You know, they, these players are quality players. Their goalkeeper was someone that uh, was actually linked to Chelsea at some point. And for a second, I actually thought he was going to come ahead of uh, ahead of Mendy. That's um, Akil. So they have quality players. Um, they can make it. Switzerland can make it with the with the drive from the likes of um, Jaka and Shakiri. Wales and Gary Bale. But to me, if I was to choose one now to be Turkey, just because um, across the team, there's a lot of quality. And I feel that you know they can get the result that they need against the other teams. The, the good thing for them is they've played the biggest team in the group. So you've played the biggest team, you've lost. Now you can focus on the other ones. So they have that away from them. For the likes of Wales and Switzerland, they'll still be thinking about Italy or when am I going to play Italy and all that. Because as you said, Italy is so good. Um, lots of people didn't have them as, you know, contenders. But then we've come into the tournament and after the first game, everybody's like, oh, Italy. Italy. So that's how it is sometimes. Um, they've made that instant impression. But for me to choose one, I think Turkey will make it true. But then we saw some other interesting things happen. Or we've seen some other interesting things happen so far. Um, and we're back. So before we went on the break, I was talking about how Lukaku has been oozing of confidence. And another player who who kind of was a shocking, I think it was shocking that he made the the starting eleven on that match day it wasn't shocking to many people as as Bamiji, who is a fan of Bielsa, also predicted that this young man would would start on the night. So, Bamiji, how would you sum up Kevin Phillips' performance against Croatia? He had he had um, he gave an assist in the game for the winning goal. So, how would you rate his performance as well as the performance of the English team altogether, especially their defense, having a clean sheet without? Their key defender, Harry Maguire. It was a beautiful performance, one of the best in the in the Euro so far. And it's I think it's only poetic that you you had to ask me this question because we're together just last Saturday when I predicted. Exactly. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't think he would, or you were one of those who actually <laughs> called it. Yeah, if I if I had a wish code, I would have probably sent my CV to England to 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 be the manager. Well, yeah, um, but it, it was it was a it was a it was a great performance, but nothing really shocking because I mean that defense that center back pairing I I I thought they were going to be disturbed a lot, and the truth is that they were not disturbed a lot, and that's because of the the industry and um, the tenacity that came from those two 
to mm-hmm. mid traders and um, Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice. Honestly, it was not really at the same that that's what he should have done because Anderson does not have the legs like he used to. And um, um, Jude, Jude Bellingham is more of a box-to-box midfielder, so his first mindset would not be defense first. So Southgate, for the first time in a very long time, did what the right thing should have been. And th- that was the best decision he picked to 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 be the cover and pivot for for um, Mings and um, John Stones. Because honestly, if you trouble that defense, they will crack. I promise you they will crack. Between three of them, that's John Stones, um, Mings, and the goalkeeper Pickford. Once you put pressure on them, there's a mistake bound to happen. But the Croatian team is not as good as they used to be. I mean, they've lost some some um, very important components components to that team. So the 2018 World Cup, Rakitic is not much there anymore. Um, Rakitic used to be the one to to move the ball from um, midfield while Modric is doing his, his thing. But Rakitic was the one that carried the ball from the midfield to the attack where there was a diminutive Maru Mandzukic waiting to, to finish up finish up anything that Ivan Perisic cannot finish. But now those two are out there and even the goalkeeper, Subasic, isn't there anymore. So Koluka, if you had Koluka as well. So the Croatian team was a different was a new look team and they did not they did not perform up to up to scratch. Um Brozovic did not impress at all, unlike his um midfield partner for Inter who Barella who did very well for Italy. But yeah, leaving people who did not perform to those that did, Calvin Phillips was definitely my man of the game. Um I thought Southgate was was not was not um was risky enough to drop Brian Sterling. But I mean at the end of the day he, he showed he showed that he proved the selection right. Although I think honestly if you are side Greedish or any other Sancho, England would have had a better game in, and it would have been more comfortable that than it actually ended up. But yeah, big ups to Calvin Phillips. He's one of those that there are few DMs in the world that can that have tenacity in tackling and also are good players of the ball. There are very, very few, and Calvin Phillips is actually one of them. There was when the Premier League started, and just after four or five games, he was called up to the England squad, and people were wondering why. But I hope you you all can actually see why he was called up. He, he was a great was a great performance for me, man. He did so well in receiving that ball and and just weaving through a couple of challenges from the Croatian midfielders and and putting in Ryan Sterling where he was, he was probably the only person that will miss that would be Timo Werner. But yeah, it was great performance from Kevin Phillips on the day. And yeah, good good win for England. But yeah, moving on from, from that game, there was a name there was a name that was going round Twitter actually and he made me laugh because the guy was he babe asked the guy that you know, the guy first said that you would watch all the matches in Euros. Then the babe asked him <laughs> in a in a joking manner that even uh you will watch Austria and not uh and, and not Macedonia too. And the guy kept his straight face. And <laughs> she asked again, Will you watch Austria and not Macedonia? And <laughs> there was one person that came to my mind when I when I saw that and it was Oise actually, because man, Oise is something else. So yeah, I know Oise you watched that game, definitely. What did you think of that game? Um, to be very honest, I I was very confused at the beginning of the game when I saw David Alaba's position. So um, there were three people for Austria that I expected to start. Only one started. I mean, aside Alaba. I, saw, I thought I would see Sabitzer, Lozaro, that's the, um, the Inter, now Moncheklad back, former Inter, now Moncheklad back, fullback, and Anatovic. 
I didn't see Lozaro. I didn't see Anatovic. I was seeing some really funny names. Sabitza playing up front. And I saw David Alaba playing as a sweeper in the back three. So I, 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 wanted, to, I wanted to ask, like, okay, is Pep doing his um, internship with this Austrian side? Because the tactics were very, very confusing. Your best player on the pitch is playing in the center of a back three. And it was in the second half I got to know why he, his reasoning was like that. When they interviewed him, they told him that, why did you play Alaba? He said that Alaba has played this position for two straight seasons. And that transiting Alaba from that position to left back or left wing back will be very, very difficult over the course of a four five, um, if they are to go all the way, which I doubt, seven game tournament. So he said that he wanted to start the Euros playing Alaba in a, in a position that will be comfortable. And in the second half, he gave um, David Alaba the license to Rome and he ended up getting an assist. But I want to speak about um, Goran Pandev. Goran Pandev started playing ball when Jude Bellingham was still in heaven. Goran Pandev scored the goal that took North Macedonia to the Euros. Goran Pandev scored the goal that made North Macedonia equalize against Austria. So he's in the books. And this is someone that was to retire last year. He came out of retirement because of the postponement of the Euros and is making the history books. I know like it's still early days, but before the Euros, North Macedonia, they were my dark horse. I was like, they won't really go all the way, but they will be the Iceland of um, Euro 2016 where Iceland went to the last eight. But I was like, okay, North Macedonia, because they don't really have talent. I call them 90% passion and desire, 10% talent. I feel like they can still make the round of 16. That group is quite open. Ukraine, Holland, under the Boa, which we know is not really the best of coaches available. And Austria, who won their first game at the Euros just yes, um, over the weekend. So uh, I really enjoyed the game. Um, it's one of my best games so far. I know it sounds like a very unpopular opinion, but the truth is, if you really watch the game, it was box office all the way. Sabitza's um, switch of play for the first goal, Pandev's equalizer, the second half saw a lot of tactical decisions, and you know that the German coaches are really the best in Europe. Because what Franco Foda did, after I had insulted and abused him in the first half, made two subs, both subs scored. The person that played centre-back that was very, very disappointed ended up with an assist. But like we said, it's still early days. Um, the last Euros, the person that won didn't win any game. So this is just the group stages. Some people start well, some people don't start well. It's all about how it's... Um, it's, it's all about how you um, end the tournament. Um, Ebuka, I want to ask you this question. At least you are a Chelsea fan coming out of a season where you sacked a former player, a club legend, and you went all the way to win silverware in form of the UEFA Champions League. On Sunday night, we saw um, the derby between two former coaches and legends in their own right. That's um, Andrei Shevchenko and Frank Dubois when Holland played Ukraine, which is one of the most electrifying games of the Euro so far in my opinion. I want to know how you saw the game and how you feel that group will um, go. 
in terms of who makes the next round, who can mm-hmm. get the best loser spots, and so on and so forth. Abe, cover to you. So I'll start by saying, Yamolenko, <laughs> because mm-hmm. what was that? <laughs> Come on, like that, that that was that was something that needed to happen because. He was he needed that lift. That was a very, very good goal. It was a good game. I have serious doubts about uh Frank De Boer as a manager. Not because he has failed at a couple of clubs, but <laughs> but because um I always have an issue with how he sets up his team. Um it was a good game against against Ukraine. Um, couple of scrappy goals, but he did what was needed. I think at this point. Uh, everyone is trying to feel themselves. They're trying to feel your opponent and also get into your stride because these players have just finished um, a full season at their club. Some people played 38 games. Some players played up to 60, just depending on how um, how regular you are with your team and how far your team uh, progressed. So it's still early days. So I wasn't expecting too much action, but then the game was action. I was impressed by um, a few of things that I saw. I think the Dutch team have individual quality. Um, for people that know me, they're not very partial towards uh, Memphis Depay. Very partial because I really like him as, as a footballer. And um, Genie, that <laughs> we've had over an Olumide on an episode arguing about whether Genie is useful or, or not, you know. They have some very good players in their squad. I wish that um, Virgil van Dijk was, was you know, a part of all of this. It would have been fantastic to to see. And maybe they would have gone a bit further than I expect. But in terms of qualifying from the group, yes, um, the Netherlands will qualify from the group. That is pretty certain. But who takes that second spot? I would, I would go with Austria. I I prefer Ukraine because Shevchenko is a former Chelsea player and I really want his manager career to kick off so that he gets into a reasonable club and he pushes on from there. But I see Austria with a lot more quality players and um, a bit more experience in this tournament. So I would go with Austria in terms of qualifying. But I can tell you that whoever comes out of this group, Ukraine will definitely get the third spot anyway, but whoever comes out from this group will not go very far. I'm, I'm pretty sure that none of these guys will go very far. Netherlands can't stand the quality of Italy and the other teams that are making waves. And neither can Austria. So I don't I don't see any I don't expect anything from whoever comes out of this group. But that's just me and um and my my beef with Frank de Boer. But something that I've I've noticed in this tournament is we don't get a lot of go-mouth action in terms of fantastic goals, but when we do get them, we just sit back and we're like, how did this guy think of this team? And one player that almost shut down Twitter was Patrick Schick. Like, I don't know, maybe you correct the pronunciation. That's how I call his name. Correct me if he has a weird pronunciation of his name. But this guy literally shut down Twitter because everybody was talking about goal. Everybody was like, how can you even think of this? This is the Euros, for God's sake. How can this cross your mind? It's it's called a chic goal. (laughs) (laughs) 
like it reminded me of Cavani against Fulham, and I was just wondering, Chooks, maybe you can help me because you 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 guys know that I'm also partial towards Cavani. Did he cut soap for this? Uh, because I don't understand. How can you at the Euros get the ball just past the halfway line? And what comes to your mind is now nah, in front of Scottish fans, guy. <laughs> you disrespect. <laughs> so I, I can't really say a lot about that goal, but like Reward said, the goal was sick. It was sick in it in its entirety. So Scott, you have Scotland chasing the game while while they were down one one nil and against the run of play, a counter attack. One thing, one thing I did notice was <laughs> the goalkeeper was way, way off his line. He was almost at the at the middle of the of the pitch, at the point where where the pass was put through to to shake. And <laughs> I think before the ball got to him, he had seen how far the keeper was from 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 his goal. He was. Like, did you see where the guy was? He was actually a, a about 50 meters away from goal. Let me say 40, about 40 meters away from goal. And he had to start running all the way back. Of course, Sheikh saw that and you see a, a key pass campering and it brings ideas to your mind. And luckily he had the right idea and perfect execution. Because if the ball wasn't as high as it was, the keeper probably get a palm on it or fingertips to it and I just keep it around the bar, but it was just the right height, just the right position, middle of the goal, and you see the keeper scampering, running through, about to pull out the net from from his hinges. For me, it was exceptional. For me, at this point um, in the season, I have Yamudenko and Patrick Schick contending for goal of of the tournament at this point. But let's see, let's see how much more excitement than an amazing goals which lay in wait for us as we progress in the Euros. Reward. I'm I'm just thinking like many people, many people have thought taught many about who would win, who could win the Euros, highest goal scorer and all that. But before the Euros, if you could predict teams that that would play through the group stage and finish with no point at all. I'm sure you would have picked Slovakia as one of them. But now that they've gone on to win Poland in that 2-1 duel, what do you think about their chances at this Euros? Mm. So Slovakia, um, Slovakia, they came up with um, the shock result of match day one, in my opinion. Um, although it was mixed with a bit of fortune, but I think the... They really worked hard for, for that result. I'm sure Lewandowski must be utterly bemused as to why Poland haven't um, simply bought Slovakia's best five players already. Because I know that's what they do. Um, so when it comes to Slovakia, <laughs> the game against Poland, it suited them quite nicely. Um, their squad is a bit um, confusing. It gets It's quite difficult figuring out who who will be involved in the scoring. So I think they just play as a team and they showed great character to secure that win. As, as per their chances moving forward, 
Mm. I think they stand a good chance. Um, winning your your first game puts you in a very good position. So you never know what can happen. And by the way, how good does Marek Hamsik look? I'm not saying he's um, he's had a long career or anything, but to think that he made his debut for Slovakia when Jens Lehmann was in goal for the opposition. I don't know. Do we still remember who Jens Lehmann was? <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, German. Yeah. How long Marek Hamšík has been? He still looks like he had it in him. So, um Slovakia it's all it's all there for them. I think they can they can give it a shot if they, if they believe in themselves. It's very possible. So there's this common saying that um when you make some certain decisions as a coach, she has to pay off or it would seem foolish. Do you think Ibuka? I'll come to you now. Do you think Enrique's? I do. Um, Luis Enrique. Do you think he he regrets not traveling with twenty six players, or at least a Madrid player in his side, as they were held to a goalless draw with the blue band national team, which some people have said calling Europe's Burnley or Atletico Madrid. So yeah, um, Enrique took what twenty four players, and um, he could have taken twenty six, but. I don't want to criticize his selection. Um, the Madrid players that people talk about, the uh, likes of Sergio Ramos, I think, yeah, Sergio Ramos is like the main person that's taken. Nacho. And, yeah, Nacho is not, <laughs> Nacho is not someone that's how I put it. Nacho is not quality enough when you, when you want to look at it. You, you, you can't, you can't pin poor results on, on a Nacho. Um, say, saying things like, oh, you miss his presence. So for me, I think Sergio Ramos just stands out. Um, the rest of the Spanish players in the Madrid squad are more or less, I'll call them French players with the national team. I don't think that would have had any impact. Um, I think the players that he took are good enough. My only issue was with selection. I don't believe that Avaro Morata should have started. Um, Avaro Morata does a lot of things Right for a striker, he also does a lot of things wrong. Um, he's not someone that you can, that like I can depend on. And when you look at Gerard Moreno coming off a technical season, and you are putting him on your bench, I feel that Gerard Moreno should have started that game. Um, he would have probably done a lot better with the with the chances available. The midfield three of Koke, Rodri, and Pedri was okay. I I have an issue with Pedri starting anyway, but. I I I feel maybe someone else, Thiago Alcantara, maybe that would have been too controlling. If Fabian Ruiz would have would have done um better for me in in that being in that midfield three with, alongside Koki and and Rodri. Fran Torres coming off a twelve goal season at Man City um is someone that should have started. I think and I was and his starting was not an issue for me. Um, looking at the the people on the bench, Sarabia, Adama Traore. I don't think there's an issue with that. So for me, um, I think, as I said before, it's still early days. I don't want to judge teams off one game because we can exaggerate and hype teams and then we can also downplay people that are actually going to win. Um, I said something today, or yeah, I think it was today on the group chat where I said that Portugal in Euro 2016, they drew their first game, they drew their second game, they drew their third game. Um, they did not win a single game in the group. They qualified for that group as the best place third team. 
and they went on to win the tournament. They did not play heaven football, but they played efficient football. Now, we can look at the first set of results and write off some teams and say, oh, these guys are going to win, these guys are, but then it's still very early. So for Spain, I, I think there's still a lot of potential. This team is very good. Luis Enrique, let's not forget, is a manager that has won the Champions League. He has won trophies before. And this is the same uh, manager that demolished Germany 6-0. Um, I think that was last year. And that, that was actually what started the downfall of Timo Werner. Because Fernando Torres had cost it with his hat-trick. But yeah, he's, he's a very good manager. So I don't have any doubts about Spain. It's still early days. Let's just see how it goes. So I'll just move on. Um, <laughs> I think I was I was chatting with I was chatting with Ohil, and he described the football that Hungary was playing as satanic football. <laughs> I don't I don't know how I don't know how Ohil comes up with these things, but he described it as satanic football. I I I thought it was um, very compact, very pragmatic, and. Um, it was a determined performance from Hungary. They did not get the, the right results. On another day, they might have scaled through, but unfortunately, it just wasn't it for them. And uh, it's it's a bit sad for me because I, I think that that team showed a lot of fights. Um, his, I know you described it as satanic, but could you give us a bit more detail on how it was for you watching um, Portugal and Hungary? Okay, um, so first things first, just to take a cue from where you stopped, this is Portugal's third win in two Euros. At the last Euros, Portugal won just two games. They drew four and they won one on penalty shootouts. Sorry, they drew five games and won two. They won Wales, they won France and they drew five out of seven. So this is Portugal's third win. So when I described it as satanic football, of course, that was a joke. They wore red, full capacity stadium. People that came on um, came to the stadium had to present a negative PCR test, COVID test, or a vaccination card. So, like Budapest is going to be like the state, the only stadium at this year's Euros that will have full capacity. But that, um, that aside, I just want to speak on the game. I feel like where I knew Hungary won't win the game was when that goal was cancelled. It was clearly offside, but like they lost steam mentally. It was it was a battle of mental strength. That's that's the only thing I can put it to. It was a battle of mental strength. So once their goal was ruled out for offside by that sub, I am so bitch. I can't pronounce his name. All of them, their name get S and I and A for for the form. I knew that hungry. They've lost strength. I was like, can this guy make any change? I'm like, no. This is over. That is either they are going to lose one new, or they are going to go home with a draw but I knew that they couldn't win again after that offside now how did Portugal go about winning the game um there's a common saying that as a coach you have some players you trust in and in 2016 Fernando Santos trusted in an 18 year old who is now 23 oozing in confidence coming out of a French league on winning season with um Lille that's um, Renato Sanchez. Renato Sanchez and Rafa Silva changed the game completely. Yes, Rafael Guerrero scored. His goal was um, bound to enter even before he deflected. But I'm talking of the second and third goal. So for the second goal, it was Rafa Silva. 
that did most of the work for um, Villioban to commit the tackle that got the penalty for Ronaldo to slot home. And for the third goal, it was a it was a combination play with Rafa Silva and Ronaldo that made the back three of Hungary look very useless. Like, I just feel like it was mental strength. It's not like they are not good. It's not like they couldn't have done it. But in football, there are just sometimes that you know it's not your day. Sorry to say, this game was just like the Austria-Portugal game of the last years, where Portugal did everything but score. And that's what Hungary did today. Hungary did everything but score. They had the sixth, um, they had the twelfth man. They had the um um what's the word? Basically, they dictated the pace of the game, even if they didn't have the ball with them throughout the game. Because we saw that in the first half, they were more defensive. Second half, they took the game to Portugal and they played through Pepe's wing because they knew that, okay, this guy is good, but he's not as fast as he was five, um, five years ago. So I just feel like um, Hungary can still disturb a Germany in this team. I can't say France because France have mental strength. France have individual ability. But if Joachim Love gets his tactics wrong, Hungary can get points against this um, really, really young and, and inexperienced um, German side. Um, that's, that's that about um, Hungary, Satanic football, Portugal, Ronaldo breaking all the records. Let's go to the current world champions and the 2016 Euro finalists. I want to talk about France and Benzema. So when Benzema was recalled, when the squad list dropped, at the end of May, everyone was like, ah, thank God, Giroud is not going to start and so on and so forth. But um, Bamiji, I want to know what you think about the performance because one won't expect a front three of Griezmann, Benzema and Kylian Mbappe to have scored less goals than Austria, Slovakia, Czech Republic, I can go on and on and on. Was it a disappointing performance from France or Germany just were not the better team on the night? Um, yeah, well, before I even get into that, uh, I liked your analysis on the Hungary-Portugal um, game. And yeah, you could really say after that goal was called offside, the Hungary players looked starved and they look tired, so they they just lost all all the zeal that they had throughout the start of the game. But yeah, moving on to the France and um, Germany games, I think it was a it was a great game of football. In contrast to the very first one, which I spoke on, and being very very dull and boring up until the second half. It was a good game of football. There was there was end-to-end -end ball, and um, even as regards just Benzema's performance, I I was of the opinion that Benzema Benzema's introduction to the to the French team should be more of Benzema wanting to show them that he's missed them, not the other way around. Because why do you want to show a team that just won the World Cup that you missed? that they missed you. I, I, I didn't get it, but just because, I mean, we had conversations on this or his, but yeah, you could say the group, the group stage is the hardest 
Deschamps has ever had to to play in, and that could have been the reason. But honestly, if you ask me, I I feel Benzema has more to show to the French team than than vice versa. But yeah, moving away from that, there was quality all over the pitch. I think this is what the Super League proposed. Although they were doing it, they were doing it doing it the wrong way. They're doing it the wrong way, but. It was it was a good game. I really I really enjoyed it from beginning to end. We saw Mbappe do what Mbappe did best, and Umels even with his own goal, he still had a nine over ten performance because there were tackles here and there that that, that were last stitch and just really amazing. But Pogba on the day, we've all seen what he can do when he has Kante behind him, and he, he, in a game that had Benzema, Griezmann, Mbappe, Kimmich, um, Cruz, um, Neuer. He, he, shown, he, he stood out, and that's why he won the man of the match. So yeah, it was it was a good game. It was a good game. But in terms of what Benzema brought to to the national to the national team, I mean, since Giroud didn't score one goal in the in the last <laughs> in the last um, World Cup tournament, Benzema has zero goals so far. But I mean, he 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 he, he did the link up play well. Is what he's known for, and. He's, he was he was he was okay. He was he, he gave he gave a good account of himself. But yeah, I feel Germany would have done better if they started Sunny instead of Kayavat. He didn't he looked out of place in that in that in fixture. And um I mean the, the German team are not as, as strong as they used to be. They're not the also very key players key players and ever since the, the way they were unceremoniously removed from the 2018 World Cup. He, since then, he's not been really able to recover. But yeah, all in all, it was was a good game. So yeah, we'll go on another short break. And when we come back, we'll, we'll go into, look into the games that have been in March Day 2. It's been a great, great, great couple of games in March Day 1. I mean, screamers from Yamolenko, who, who is Clark Kent in West Ham, but not Superman when he, when he, when he gets to Ukraine. And also Patrick throwing that goal from halfway line. We hope to see more goals coming in Madrid. Don't go anywhere. Right back. All right, welcome back, guys. Um, so yeah, before the break, we were talking about the some of the amazing goals and games that came from match day one. If you've not been following the Euros. Trust me, we got you. We got. We have someone who's been who's been watching every single detail, even the officiating and and every. All in fact, all is watch. He's gonna watch all the games for 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 us, and that's what he's. But yeah, when match day two is already bringing up some very enticing fixtures. I mean, Germany know it's all or nothing against Portugal, and that already makes it a a, a mouth watering game. The second the second game is where some people. Can already book their their places in the knockout already, where you could go home already. So the second game is usually the where where the tension is is the most. So I'll be going around the guests to just quickly find out what game they'll be looking to exactly in match day two. I'll start with Chooks. Yes, yeah, so match day two has a very very juicy fixture that I want to see. What is it juicy? So for for me, it's it's two teams battling it out, one coming in with three points, the other coming in with zero. And it's a matchup that, that is born out of Group F, the group of death, where we see Portugal go head to head 
with Germany on Saturday at the Alliance Arena Munich. So that fixture for me is is going to be very Portugal with with the second win would have leg in the quarterfinals and sorry in the next round and Germany have to win this. It's a must win for them. We saw them come alive in the second half and after after considering the second half of the game against France today, but they know this game is a must win for them. So that, that makes up for, for a very good matchup. Germany would not want to go out again in, in the group stage of the competition. But if they don't come, if they don't come good from the first minute, they could just be on their way out. Ronaldo is re ready, revving, and I'm waiting for the next round already. So I think this game is going to bring a lot of a lot of sparks for me. Reward. What do you think about the next round? Yeah, so for me, I'll be looking towards the England-Scotland game. Um, the England-Scotland um, rivalry. I think it's the oldest fixture, international fixture in the world today. Uh, I'd like to call it the Battle of the Brits. Um, it seems, um, I think it will be extremely hyped because um, England come in as huge favorites and they won their first game while Scotland lost. England started off brightly, um, dispatching Croatia with Sterling, Foden, Phillips, um, being the standout guys. And it was quite, quite interesting seeing them in that light, but we're not too sure what lineup Gareth Southgate would go with this time around. Harry Kane, um, despite not scoring, he still had um, a big chance that I think it was Macy Mount who gave him the assist and he fluffed his lines. But I expect to see him scoring in this game against Scotland. I know he has an incredible record for England and he's on penalties as well. So we expect to see Harry Kane turn up. For Scotland, um, Robertson was, I think he was like the most dangerous player on the pitch. He created, gave like six key passes. But their strikers were, I don't know why Che Adams was benched, but I guess he'll start this time around. And if Maguire isn't fit and um, Mings keeps his place, I think he's one they could target. It should make up for a very good, a very good fixture. So I'm excited about the England Scotland game. Ibuka, how about you? So I have an agenda against Robert Lewandowski. I predicted that Poland would be out in the group stage and he would score just one goal. So the game that I'll be watching closely is Spain versus Poland, just to see if my agenda is on track. Here's what about you? To be very honest, I have my eye on three games. Um, first, the team I'm supporting tomorrow, 8 p.m., Italy versus Switzerland. Um, nothing new. I just want to secure my tickets for the round of 16 so I can focus on other teams and other games, as well as uh, one of my um, Euro fantasy assets, Berardi. I feel like Berardi was a very brilliant um, player in the first tie, but you know the way football is now, it's a numbers game. When you don't score, when you don't assist, you never really get the green light. So I would love to watch... Um, 
the duel between um, Domenico Berardi and the veteran Ricardo Rodriguez. Then um, Ukraine, North Macedonia, that's basically like a win three points or go home kind of tie. If you win, you have a chance of making the next round either by the um, automatic two spots or the um, top four best third place sides. And last but not least, I want to see Hungry France for um, just one reason. Cristiano Ronaldo's presser on Monday, he was asked, how are you going to contain the Hungarian fans when you are playing with them in a full capacity stadium? Ronaldo's response was simple. He said, we beat them in Saint-Denis at Parc de France in a full capacity stadium five years before COVID and we're champions of Europe. Hungary's chance at the next stage depends on that game. Full capacity crowd, they will silence French fans. So it's in their hands to make it to the next round or not. So those are three games I'll keep my eyes closely. But I mean, as the empty stands European championship correspondents, I'll try my best to watch as many games as possible. But those are the three games I'll um, keep my eyes um, closely on because like Ibuka rightly said, everybody has their own agenda. An agenda must agend. Yeah, so, Ohis, you've actually been doing a good one uh, watching all the games thus far. And, and one thing that comes to mind is the officiating of the games. We've not seen a penalty. Okay, we saw one penalty call uh, in the Portugal game, but aside from that, we've not seen a lot of penalty calls that would normally plague competitions. So for you, how has the officiating at this tournament been? To be very honest, it's been very brilliant. Um, we should all remember that VR started at the um, 2017 Confederations Cup, but the first um, major tournament was, of course, 2018 World Cup. They've not used the screen to view, that's the VR monitor to view any incidents. That means that the VR is getting most, if not all decisions right. The first penalty was awarded today and I feel like um, it was it was non-negotiable. Um, Villiorban of Hungary lost his head and just fouled um, Rafa, Sil Rafa Silva um, like on scaffed. So the officiating is good. One of the games emerged the three that is not from a European country. So another reason why I want to watch the Ukraine versus North Macedonia game is because there's an exchange program going on between um, Confederation of South African Footballing Association, that is Comnebol and UEFA. It's like an exchange program where a UEFA referee officiates at the Copa America and a Comnebol referee officiates at the Euros. So um, on the 21st of April, Rapalani was um, selected. His full name is Fernando Andres Rapalani, is Argentine. He was selected to officiate at this year's Euros. And his first game is going to be Ukraine and not Macedonia. And just like most of my agendas are, if this guy sort of has a way to officiate a game involving Ronaldo to prevent him from winning a second continental trophy, it's something that I would love to grab my popcorn and drink. But so far, so good. No controversies, no um, debates. Officiating has been smooth sailing. And 
I thank God that the only thing that we've known an Englishman do at the Euro so far has been for good. <laughs> that sounds like a, a point where we should say hallelujah. But, <laughs> but moving on, moving on quickly to you, reward. Reward, how has your chasing been from, from your own perspective? Okay, just to correct um O'Hiz a little. Um the first penalty wasn't the one against uh, for Portugal. It was the one for in the game Denmark Finland that Heiberg missed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So personally I feel the Euro games they only emphasize even more how poorly the Premier League refs are um even in their use of VAR because the standard has been far superior. Like it's very, it's very obvious to see. It's just a shame on the Premier League that they need to do better with their officiating. Even the game we just witnessed now, um, the I remember when Mbappe was bearing down at goal and how Hummels caught up with him and made that tackle. I'm very sure if that was in the Premiership, that was a straight red or a penalty, but. It's just been superb, and I hope they continue towards the end. Like um, he said, Anthony Taylor was <laughs> he was also excellent. Um, just the way he handled the Mr. Eriksson incident, so I'll give that to him as well. Thank you, Wood. Um, so now to sound like chooks. Now we've come to the end of another episode of MC. <laughs> Yeah, no one, no one sounds like Chooks. You have no to, one, you have no to one sounds like Chooks. It's either Chooks or, or someone else. Like Chooks are not this. Okay, this is this is what Chooks sounds like. So now we've come to the end of another episode of the Empty Stands podcast. Now that's Chooks talking. <laughs> See you on Saturday for the review of Match Day Two. Emka. Signing out. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys.